Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. Yeah, we had such a blast. It was my favorite one ever. And just so you're aware, uh, 450 or so kids, uh, about 200 volunteers put in about 8,000 hours uh, last week, uh, all for uh, eternal rewards uh, and free snacks. So uh, what a blessing. Uh, We gave away 94 Bibles. Uh, Every Bible that was given to a kid uh, they didn't have one. So we made sure that we told them, hey, if you, if you want a better Bible, we'll do it later in the summer if you already have one. But if you don't have one, so 94 kids took home their first Bible, uh, over 50 salvations. Yeah. And I'm telling you, the principal this year was tough. Um, I got to be the principal, and it was hard. I don't know how many fruit snacks I had to eat with them. Uh, we colored. Uh, it, it was so tough. Sometimes the kids would be bored and just want to come hang out with me. So I was a terrible principal. <laughs> I don't think the principal's office is meant to where the kids want to come hang out with them, but that's all I had in me. Uh, so I think I'm going to get fired from being a principal, but I'm still bringing fruit snacks next year. So uh, we're good to go. Uh, but man, what, a, what an amazing time uh, just seeing uh, Jesus' power uh, poured into them because it was all about the power of Jesus. And that's really what we're talking about today as we continue in our, uh, in our, in our sermon series. And right now I'm going to ask anybody who is, has already signed up to be water baptized, uh, and then if your parents or grandparents need to go with you, Pastor Josh is right here. So if y'all can come up here and follow him, y'all going to go back that way and get changed and ready, and then you'll come back in uh, for the end of the message and then a couple of songs, and then we're going to do baptism. So if you have already signed up and, and everything, head that way. And if you would like to talk to Pastor Josh or Vinton about getting baptized, uh, head that way. And uh, they will get you signed up for that and have that conversation. And then we'll welcome back in them uh, on stage in a little bit. Uh, but we're in Psalm 23, and today we're in verse 5, and we're talking about a feast. Uh, and really, when you look at this verse, you see the power of Jesus just on display because of the context of this verse. I'm going to read it to you. Uh, It's a very famous one. A lot of you have probably heard it, or you can say it from memory. But it says, you, David writes this, you prepare a feast for me, God, in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. That's the verse we're looking at today. Now, If you were to rewrite verse 5 for yourself, if you're like, I want to write it just a little bit different so I feel better about it, how would you phrase some of that? I mean, like, I was thinking about this week, I'm like, feast, I'm all in, yes. Enemies, mm, let's go ahead and smite them first, oh mighty smiter. Uh, Instead of them being in my presence and staring at me and being around me and trying to breathe down my neck and hurling stuff at me, let's just get rid of them off the planet, you know. Whose presence is with me? You are sitting at the table with me, God? Sure, absolutely. I love that. Having like a, a one-on-one time around a feast with God. That's, that's a great one. Honor, anointed, overflowing with blessings in my life. I'm all in. I love that. But I'd be thinking, well, we just left the dark valley, the previous verse, or last week if you were here. We just left that. So as we go over here, and you allow there to be enemies, I, I don't really want that. So I, I would ask you to kind of maybe remove that part for me if, if you could. 
I, I love the good stuff. I love the fun stuff. I love the nice stuff. I love the feast. But I don't want a valley anymore. Let's keep that in verse 4. I, I don't want any enemies around me. I want just you and me, Jesus. But the reality is Jesus came to this planet full of enemies of God, sinners. Prior to Jesus, we are all enemies of God. He came to save us and redeem us. I mean, that's really what we're going to celebrate in a few moments. What we, what we sing about is what camp's all about. The redemption of Jesus Christ in the midst of a world gone mad where he can save people eternally so that their future, their eternal future is set in him. And so when I say, hey, I don't want any more valleys. And when I say, I don't want any more enemies around me. <clears throat> That's not really the plan of God. It's not to punish me. It's the fact that he wants me here to both share his message of salvation and to display his glory in the midst of a world gone mad. God in his perfect wisdom says, son, I'm going I'm to set a feast and I'm going to come and I'm going right, to eat with you right in the midst of those who hate you, who are against you, who, by the way, hate me because I'm Jesus. And I'm like, okay, that's your best plan. And you are God. You are the creator. So, so I, I don't get it fully. I don't like it all the time. When I really stop and think of it through gospel eyes, of course I get it. I just don't always want that because it's not the most comfortable. God's best plan is not to remove you or me from all the struggle and challenges, but rather to be with us right in the middle of it all, to walk that with us. We talked about last week, the dark valley. He doesn't say, get through that dark valley, I'll meet you on the other side. He says, I'm, I'm going to walk with you through that dark valley. He never said, I'm going to set a table for you with a reading manual, and you could get attached to this, and you, you better never make a mistake. You better... Better dot your I's and cross your T's and, and, and follow everything perfectly or I'm going to come and just give you the what for. He never says that. Because that's religion. That's Ikea. Put it together with all the 55,000 parts or it falls apart. That's, that's like rules and structure. That's not Jesus. He is, he does have his structure, but he doesn't say, don't you dare miss a thing or else. He says, here's the way, and I have grace. <laughs> here's the way. I mean, I saw it this week, just being the principal. Every time some kid was brought to me, I'm like, here's the thing. Just tell me what's going on, and you're back in five minutes. My goal is to be like Jesus, and so just tell me the truth. And usually when I said, I'm not calling your parents. I'm not, we're not going to sit here forever. I'm not going to, you know, put chains on you, make you drag, you know, through the streets. I want to get you back there. They're like, I did it. I did it. <laughs> what do you need to do? I need to make it right with people. Okay, let's have fruit snacks. You know, that was, I got to be like Jesus. Even though Kim Schatz is like, you need to be a little harder on them. I'm like, teacher, you go teach. I'm the principal right now. And so often we do that. We act like, Jesus, they are not following the rules. And he's like, teacher, stop. I'm grace. Amen. That's what he is. But it's in the midst of these enemies. And we're like, oh, I don't like that part. He never said, there's your table. 
It has some food on it. When you finish eating it, you better figure out what to do next and I'll see you on the other side. Again, that's religion with a dead false God outside of relationship. Jesus is relationship. He never said, hey, I'm going to put you in a high chair and you're going to be in a high chair your whole life and, and religious leaders are going to spoon feed you so you just kind of goo-goo and gaga your way until heaven. That's not, that's not Jesus either. That's not discipleship. That's not growth. That again is some form of religion that says only one person can tell you what to do and you better just never grow up. That's immaturity. And he says he wants us to mature by feeding on the word and being done with milk at some point in our lives. When he said, when David wrote, table and feast and enemy, those who heard it, they understood that as an extravagant action right there. Because they're out in the wilderness and there ain't nothing in the wilderness. They're eating stale bread and dried fish while hanging out with you know, sheep or whatever. And so if somebody says, I'm bringing a table out there, I'm going to set up a feast for you. Yes, your enemies will still be around. They know that's a generous, powerful person who can afford to set up something extravagant for me and protect me in the midst of it. So thieves and robbers can't come in and take from the table. They understood that's an odd scene of extravagance right there. There's no five-star re restaurants in the wilderness Feasts were pricey and they couldn't afford it. And only rich people could. And with enemies all around staring in, there better be some form of like power protection watching over them. They understood that as well. This is a, this is a lot different than what I'm used to hearing. Reminds me of years ago, I used to go to Indonesia quite a bit as a missionary. It was probably my, my, the country I went to the most. And of course, Indonesia is the largest Muslim nation in the world. It's not like it is in the Mideast Muslim. Uh, there's a lot more safety there, but it's still 270 million Muslims who hate Christianity and they hate other religions. And one time we were in Jakarta and we went outside and they're like, we're going to go and <laughs> we're going to have a Christian seminar fest, a festival in the, in the, the Muslim stronghold uh, where they do all their planning and fundraising. I'm like, I don't that's a great idea. <laughs> I'm like, can we stay here? Because his house is awesome. Uh, so we went, and it was this beautiful compound, tall, like 10-foot walls. They're you know, reinforced. We're driving in Range Rovers with reinforced windows. And I'm like, there's a reason for all this. Uh, we get there, and, and everything that's open air is covered with like really thick uh, you know, metal roof and everything. But man, we have this feast. Like I had never eaten in Indonesia, probably never eaten as a missionary, something like that. We worshiped Jesus. We had people getting saved. We had people banging on the walls, hurling insults. We had rocks flying over at us. And at one point they're like, well, I think we've gotten to the point where they're starting to, you know, shake the hinges. Uh, so we're going to take y'all out. But what was cool is in the midst of being hated for being Christians, and for, for being hated for sharing the gospel and for being hated for celebrating Jesus. And there was hatred all around those walls, banging on the walls the whole time, throwing stuff over. In the midst of all that, we were safe. And we had a feast. And we sang as loud as we could. And, and I, I was reminded of that this week as I, as I read that. I was like, I remember feeling so safe, yet, of course, we had to drive through them. They were shaking our Range Rovers as we were leaving. But, but we were safe right in the midst of it all. 
God shows off his generosity when he says, hey, I'm not just going to take you out of this place and put you over here where, you know, I'm, I'm not going to take you to eternity right now. I'm not going to isolate you on this, this Jesus island where you never have to have a mess. He says, in the midst of it all, I'm not only going to cover you, but you're going to eat well and I'm going to sit with you. That's God showing off his generosity to us. He lacks nothing and he makes sure you and I have more than we could ever fathom having. So a question... I had this week, and maybe you have. How does it feel to have enemies? Not fun. Nobody wants enemies unless they're just like the meanest person in the world. Anyone out there have somebody or maybe some situation that's out to get you right now? It could be a real person. It could be uh, it could be a couple. It could be an estranged relationship. It could be something in the in the family. But you're like, yeah. Feel like they're really out to get me like there's really an enemy there maybe people are slandering you tearing you down maybe they want to do whatever it takes to uh, to see you suffer or struggle or maybe it's a situation it's financial it's cancer maybe it's relational something's gone wrong and it feels like this enemy situation that wants you to suffer In john 10 10 Jesus refers to, to the stuff we have to go through and as he speaks about being this great shepherd in Psalm 23 and he says, the thief has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I, Jesus, have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect. Life in its fullness until you overflow. You see, that table is where what matters most comes into play. Relationship with Jesus. He says, in the midst of it all, I'm preparing this and then I'm sitting down with you. I'm not going to prepare it all and go away. I'm going to sit with you. Because Jesus is all about relationship. When he saves us, it's to save us to be his. It's to save us to be a son of the Most High God. It's to save us to be a daughter of the Father God. It's to save us to have the Holy Spirit live in us. It's to save us, to call Jesus our brother. That's all relationship. And so when he, when he does this extravagance, it's for us to have relationship with him. And he says, the enemy wants to take all that away, and I've come to give you more than you could imagine. God, who sent Jesus to die in our place to have us back, wants relationship with us. That's what we celebrate with baptisms. People have made a decision to follow Jesus. And now they're saying, now I'm just going to broadcast it to the world. I'm going to identify with his death, burial, resurrection, and I'm going to broadcast to the world that this is what I'm doing. So when that feast is set up for you in the wilderness, don't just grab a piece of, you know, good fruit and a chicken wing and run off and hide in a corner. It's not meant to grab and go. It's meant to sit and sup, to be with Jesus, not to run like a scared child. We hate the side of the enemies, but Jesus says, look at me and you don't have to see them. That's, good. That's, a pretty, that's a cool thing. But so often, if you're like me, you do. You look around, you're like, I know you're right there, Jesus, but look at him. Jesus, I'm listening to you, but I actually heard, did you hear what she said over there? Yeah, Jesus, I know you're, you're making a plate for me, but did you, do you realize what's going on in my life? And we focus on the enemies. 
And Jesus is right there. It never works to grab and go, to run and hide. It's never healthy. It's not the design from the designer. The design is a table, a feast, sitting with him in the midst of whatever's going on. Let him supply all your needs. Let him generously give to you from his abundance. He's like, I got enough. I got more than enough. And I want to pour it on you. That's who I am. That table is set by God for you. So Jesus says, guard it. Because what does the enemy come to do? Most of your versions probably say something like steal, kill, and destroy. Comes to slaughter. He comes to take away. He's a deceiver. He's a thief. He's a liar. So we got to guard it by focusing on him and being with him. The enemy will always try to sit at your table. He's never going to look at it and go, well, you know, Matthew's a good enough guy now. I'll just leave him alone. No. He's going to go, uh, Matthew's too good of a guy now. I want to destroy his life. That's not very comforting, right? Except you know who sits with you. That's comforting. The enemy, if you're living wild, the enemy hates you. If you're living righteous, the enemy hates you. That's all he does. So he's always going to try to sit at your table. It's just some people pull up a chair for him. Don't pull up a chair for him. If he tries, kick the chair out, let him fall and be like, Jesus, can you boot him out? That's taking thoughts captive. That's guarding your table. And he's sneaky. He'll be all syrupy to entice you away. He'll try to get you to buy into lies. He won't say, hey, President Biden's after you, so hate everybody. That's, that's too big of a lie. He'll be like, hey, that person's talking about you. You need to go to another church now. Hey, uh, you know, your wife's not happy with you. Go find someone else. He's going to be sneaky and syrupy. That's what he does. He's going to say, hey, you've blown it 14 times this year. The 15th time is the end of it all, so just stop now. He's going to try to make you buy into lies about Jesus and about your identity. He's going to try to make you believe that you're not good enough or that life isn't worth it. He's right there constantly whispering hatred into your ear. So listen to Jesus and you won't hear the hatred. Look to Jesus and you won't see the deceiver. The key is to love God, to worship, to celebrate Him, to, to pray, to fellowship, to read the Word, to be with others. And as we love God, then out of that we love others. We do life together. We pray together. We worship together. We celebrate together. We let people speak into our lives and then we look for ways to speak into people's lives. We study the word together. We serve people where they are and in the needs that they have with others. Loving God and then loving others along with others. And that's how we guard our hearts. That's how we guard our table. It's never about earning the abundant blessings he talks about. It's about receiving the abundant blessings he gives us. And your table is meant for what honors and blesses you. He says, I'm going to give you life in its fullness until you overflow. Those are good abundant blessings. And there will be religious people that will say, oh, don't talk about the blessings. Don't think about the blessings. Don't focus on the blessings. And it's like, okay. But Jesus did say, I want to give you life in its fullness until you overflow. So, if somebody offers me blessings as opposed to not blessings, I'm going to take them. Amen. 
And if you don't, you got a religious mindset or you believe less about yourself than, than God wants you to believe. Don't listen to people who say, don't get too happy about Jesus. Get really happy about Jesus. You can't get too happy about Jesus. Don't, don't, don't pray. Don't sing about blessings. Well, he tells me all over this that his desire is to bless me. He does say it. So we got to believe it or he's a liar. And it's all about Jesus. He boldly declares his love for you. His unparalleled power is for you. And he's all for us as his followers. So what gives God more glory and fame than you and I in the middle of all those enemies? And being able to sit at that table and go, you know what? You know what? Actually, life really is good. Like, I don't necessarily like having enemies. It's not my goal. But I can sit here at this table and I can feast and I'm with Jesus and life is good as I walk this stuff through. It's exactly what's going on in Luke chapter 15. You read about all the lost things, the coin, the sheep, the, the son. About how there was this huge neighborhood block party when they found the, the lost sheep. There's this there's this great feast when the wayward son who walked away on his own and still stinks and smells when he returns. There's a feast that happens because he's back. Daniel looked like he would be the feast, yet God came through in the lion's den. Don't give in to the thieving pressure around you, the lies of the enemy. Partake in the feast that God has for you. And then when you do, you sit at this table set just for you and you have so much food and you're like, I can't eat all this food. What do you think you're supposed to do with the food? Give it away. And then who are you acting like? Jesus himself. That's the point of it all. He gives us a feast and we can't finish. So we invite other people or we take that food to other people. Or they come and they hang out with us and they're like, wow, that was amazing. You're like, here's a bowl full of the good stuff. Take it and go. And they're like, I can't eat all this. And you're like, give it to people who are hungry. That's the point of Jesus, to take from him all that he has to give us and then give it away. And then we're acting like him. And when God says, I honor you by anointing your head with oil, that's the Holy Spirit in you coming out of you, making you look and sound like Jesus. When he says, my cup overflows with blessings for you, when you live that way, and you're overflowing and you're, you're being blessed and then you're giving it away and you keep emptying yourself and then he fills you up. That's the life we're called to live. Filled with abundant blessing, giving it away and then just watching God continue to fill us. That's what David's saying in verse five. So how do we get there? The key, once again, is our, it's where our focus is. It's looking at Jesus. There may be a dark valley a storm or a struggle, but you're sitting with Jesus, so it's okay. You're talking with Jesus, so enemies are silenced. You're looking at Jesus, so you can't see what they're doing around you. But we've got to start somewhere. Maybe today you can boldly say, I know where I want to start. I, want to, I just want to give my life to Christ. I know where I want to start. I want to ask Jesus to, to, to let me sit at that table with him and live out of the overflow of that. And you can boldly proclaim that, and that's great. Or maybe you're like, I can barely get my hand up to ask for help. Maybe you just need to raise a hand and go, can somebody who loves Jesus help me? You know what? I can probably find 
300 people in this room that would say, I'm on, I'm on it, I got that. That person raised their, their hand and asked for help, I got that. Wherever you are, whether you can boldly say, Jesus, I love this, I want this, or you say, please help me. Your need will be met today. Yes. Your need will be met. As we look to baptism here in a moment, I want to look at a passage uh, in Luke chapter 15 that I referred to earlier about how God celebrates when we respond to him. Luke 15, 10, Jesus says this. He says, the way God responds every time one lost sinner repents and turns to him is with a festival of praise, a feast. He says to all his angels, let's have a joyous celebration for the one who was lost, I have found. See, baptism, it's very similar to that table with the feast. It's, it, it's a lot like a feast in the midst of enemies. Not that people in here are enemies, but it's this declaration. It's this public broadcast of a life that's saved only by Jesus. Of a, of a life that's found only in Jesus, of a life that's filled only by the Holy Spirit. We, we broadcast it when you step into the, the waters there publicly and then you go under the water and then you come back up. You're broadcasting to a watching world that does hate Jesus, but they're lost. You're broadcasting, I, I identify with Christ now. That's, that's where I find my life. That's who I am. It's a declaration of eternal life with Jesus that gets proclaimed to the world around us. That's why Jesus wanted it public. He wanted it out there. He wanted it seen. He wanted it celebrated. That's why I love baptism because we don't stay quiet during baptism. We, my, my desire is that y'all are so loud on the cheering when people get baptized you can't hear the person in the microphone talking because it's just such a celebration. Kind of like when you're at a game with a public announcer and the crowd's too loud to hear the guy on the speaker. That's a better moment. That's a better moment. That's a celebration moment. And God loves to celebrate. Now, when Jesus is talking here, he does refer to sinners repenting, that ultimate salvation. But at the same time, I blow it a lot. So when, when I repent and I go, oh, Lord, you showed that to me. I'm convicted of that. I get that. I mean, I saw it this week with the kids. I did it. I did it. And Jesus celebrates when we own those things. The big eternal celebration is when one sinner who's never followed Jesus says, I want Jesus. But every time a sinner repents in conviction, Jesus celebrates. And that's what we're going to do here in a moment. So we're going to go into a, a time of worship here. We're going to sing a couple songs. And then at the end of that second song, we're going to come up here and we're going to get loud. And we're going to celebrate transformed lives in Jesus. So I'm going to ask you to stand right now. I'm going to pray. One of the things I'm going to ask is if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, I want you to hear this. Whether you're watching online or you're listening or you're in here, if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, know this, He wants you. And He says, I will save you if you just raise your hand and say yes. Say yes to the invitation to eternal life and you'll be saved. He makes it very simple to start and then he walks us through discipleship and maturity. But it starts with, I accept your free gift of salvation, Jesus. So if you've never made that decision, you can make that today. 
And I would encourage you to do this. If, you've, if you're making this decision today, the best thing you can do is come up here with the crew and talk to me when we're doing the baptism and say, I just got saved. I want to get dunked. And we'll dunk you. All right? Well, let's pray and worship. Father, we thank you so much for being a God who thinks of us. You don't give us scraps. You don't give us dried, nasty stuff. You don't give us just enough to eke our lives along. You give us a feast. You set a table for us in the midst of everything going on around us. You set up a feast, a festival, a buffet, and then you stay with us and you eat and you say, oh, isn't this good? And you talk to us and you hang out with us. Wow, what a good God. You made us and then you made a way to save us and then you like hanging out with us. Wow, wow. May we worship you right now with uh, open hearts and open minds to all that you want to speak to us and do in us. And, and may we bless you with our festival of praise towards you as we head into baptism in a few moments. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full-service replays, visit our media page on hcfburnett.org and follow us on social media. God bless and have a great week.